Pop Health Podcast is supported by 24-Hour Home Care. All episodes of Pop Health Podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and pophealthpodcast.com. Whoever you talk to when they hear Uber, the last thing they certainly may think of is healthcare. Yeah. Um, by the end of the day, you know, when you think about the organization, uh, we have over 75 million riders uh, at Uber, over 3 million drivers. We've done over 10 billion trips worldwide uh, in over 65 countries and over 600 cities. Uh, every single day, uh, about 15 million trips that we do. Welcome to another edition of Pop Health Podcast. This is Gavin Ward, co-host of Pop Health Podcast. And in today's episode, Zach and I travel to San Francisco, where we had the opportunity to sit down with returning guest, Dan Trigum. Now, Dan actually has a new employer, and he is now leading Uber Health's initiatives. In today's episode, you'll learn about Dan's inspiration behind his recent change over to Uber Health and his opportunity to make a big impact across the world. Uber connects 30 million people every day. That's every day. So we hope you enjoyed today's episode and learning how Uber is making a big splash into healthcare. If you like today's show, feel free to leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, and of course, feel free to reach out to Zachary by emailing info at pophealthpodcast.com. Thanks everyone. Enjoy the show. something maybe outside of the workplace uh, maybe something that would surprise the audience about Dan yeah absolutely um, so I think last time we met or last time we spoke I talked about my home run in Giant Stadium which yep. is kind of a cool one yeah um, but outside of that you know I'm always kind of a tinker you know, always thinking about the next thing or new ideas always kind of an entrepreneur at heart I uh, love Shark Tank, one of my favorite shows. Yeah. Uh, but one thing that's that's unique about me or an experience I had I actually took a bus from San Francisco to South by Southwest in Austin, and we actually broke up into teams. It was called the Startup Bus. It was an actual startup competition. And we built businesses on that bus and then pitched them to investors at South by Southwest. And this was probably 2004 timeframe. Wow. So long story short, my team ended up winning that competition. There's actually an article in the Wall Street Journal about it, uh, which was really cool. And we basically built a company that we called Date Browser. And the basic idea was we would scrape online dating sites just pull the picture, and basically people can come to a site with pictures, click on it, and it would just be a referral lead gen model to dating websites. So we would get an affiliate revenue through yeah. that model. And it was a very simple, like a very easy site to build. I had some developers I partnered with, and that was a pretty cool experience. Uh, we launched it at South by Southwest. It actually worked. We had a fully functioning product <laughs> on this bus. Wow. Um, and it was uh, one of those pretty cool things to just create something out of a thin idea. Yeah. Do you mind me asking what happened with the... <laughs> yeah, so uh, Date Browser launched. We uh, we tried to get some funding. My The people, the, the founders that I met on the bus, we all had full-time uh, day jobs. We actually tried to license or just sell the technology, and nothing ever happened. Uh, it was more of a cool story, and uh, met some really good people from it. Yeah, nice. My man. question was going to be, how long was that bus ride? <laughs> <laughs> it was long. I, I can't remember. It was like at least four or five days, maybe. Yeah, I mean, okay. We made a bunch of pit stops, right. and we were just like coding to like... You know, wee hours of the night. Yeah, uh, it was real. It was really cool. It was fine. We there were like some like legit investors. Uh, there was a guy by the name of Naval who was an early investor in uh, Twitter. He's big on. Uh, he's actually big on Twitter uh, in the entrepreneur startup community. He's actually one of the founders of uh, AngelList. If yeah. you ever heard of that, yeah. So he yeah. was involved in this program. Nice. Uh, that was pretty cool. 
Nice. Are you a tech guy, like background or? No, so my background is mostly kind of BD sales, um, more on the business side. Um, Product people, engineers are way smarter than I am. If I could redo things, maybe I would have gotten a comp sci degree. Yeah. Do you know how to do some of the coding and stuff though? That escapes me. (laughs) It definitely escapes me. I spent a lot of my time in this role and prior roles uh, with our engineers and uh, have a lot of respect for them. Very, very minimal kind of understanding of, of the work they do. Cool. For folks who may have listened to a previous episode with Dan, uh, Dan, your family has actually been in the kind of healthcare, senior care space as well, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. So I've had a very extensive background in healthcare, doing a variety of different things. You know, one thing I'm really proud about is my family, who's uh, been operating this business now for 15 years in the Bay Area, actually has one of the largest uh, privately owned non-medical home care agencies. Um, So a bunch of caregivers helping our elders with activities of daily living, uh, again, mostly non-medical work. Uh, never formally worked for that business, but at a high level saw that business kind of grow over time and uh, obviously a growing market. Over 10,000 people a day turn 65, um, and there's going to be tremendous needs for our aging population. So that was kind of my foray into especially the senior care space. Um, I've done a lot of other work in healthcare, but uh, that family business is one thing I've at a high level been, been involved with. Great. So, Dan, you've been here at Uber for a relatively short period of time as we record this episode uh, here at the beginning of 2019. And can you tell us a little bit about the inspiration of you joining Uber? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a couple of things. One is it just came down to, for me personally, this kind of internal desire to just to do more. And, you know, I'm definitely not the person who likes to work nine to five, check in, check out, call it a day and then uh, go home, which is probably a bad thing if you ask my wife. Um, I just love, I love to do things. I love to have impact. And I think with that context, there was no other company that, uh, like Uber, that can have such uh, immense and tremendous impact, especially when we think about healthcare delivery. I think most people, um, whoever you talk to, when they hear Uber, the last thing they certainly may think of is healthcare. Yeah. Um, but end of the day, you know, when we think about the organization, uh, we have over 75 million riders uh, at Uber, over 3 million drivers. We've done over 10 billion trips worldwide uh, in over 65 countries and over 600 cities. Um, every single day, uh, about 15 million trips that we do. Uh, I mean, these are just staggering numbers. Yeah. Um, and when you think about 15 million trips a day, we're at a minimum connecting 30 million people, uh, right? The passenger and the driver. driver. Yeah. Um, and yes, we're a tech company because tech powers everything, but we're also a people company, right? Yeah. We're, we're, we're connecting and, and creating experiences with people. So with all that context, um, there was no other company I can work at with that, with that immense reach. And I think um, you know, that was a big factor. The other big factor was the commitment to Uber Health uh, at this organization. Uh, from leadership, from folks like Dara, who's our new CEO, to my team, there's a, there's a tremendous in, uh, commitment to healthcare, um, knowing the infrastructure we have. The other thing is we can do a lot more than just move people here. Um, most people don't realize this, but we have the largest meal delivery platform in the world when you think about Uber Eats. Okay. Uh, and when you think about healthcare, you think about people who live in transportation deserts who can't access a hot meal. Uh, we did a partnership with Meals on Wheels as an example, and that's just a small example of what we can do. Uh, so with all that context, um, it was a no-brainer when this opportunity kind of presented itself. Um, you know, when we think about delivery, we think about durable medical equipment, even pharmaceutical delivery. Again, these are kind of long-term things, but uh, there's no other company that's positioned to have the impact in, in those different areas. Yeah. 
and I want to dive into the Uber Health piece a little bit more, but um, we actually have had the pleasure of, of working with Uber now for a few years in kind of our our uh, our other life and our day job. And one thing that actually um, in our experience precipitated kind of the Uber Health, the specific designation of Uber Health was a rollout of Uber Assist. Yep. Um, so can you tell the audience a little bit, first of all, can you explain what Uber Assist is? And then also what inspired that and kind of what led to that program? Yeah, so Uber Assist is a very important program to us, uh, one that we hope to continue to scale. But at a high level, Uber Assist is another type of ride type or vehicle type we have on our network. So, you know, you have your standard Uber XL, which is a four-door sedan, could hold four people plus a driver. Uh, we have more luxury vehicles like black town cars. We have larger vehicles, SUVs. Um, and Uber Assist is another one of those categories. Now, the idea behind Uber Assist is um, doing more than just a curb-to-curb ride. It's a door-to-door ride. Uh, so with that program, our drivers are able, our driver partners are able to go through a level of training uh, that a third-party partner of ours that we work with to do that training. Um, and basically, they can now then accept this different ride type and provide that beyond just curb-to-curb ride to somebody. Uh, so it's really important to us. Another example is we do have something that we call Uber Wave or wheelchair accessible vehicles. Both Wave and Assist are in about, call it a dozen or so markets, but again, things we want to scale. Uh, we just uh, announced a partnership with MV Transit, which is one of the largest wheelchair accessible vehicle uh, uh, networks in the U.S. Uh, they own hundreds of paratransit co- co- contracts across the U.S., so we're going to be looking to scale the uh, Wave with them. Um, but again, too, for our partners on the healthcare side, we know it's more than just curb to curb, um, and and that is something that you know my team is con- is continuing to think about and, and figure out how we can scale. Yeah, and so part of what you were talking about about um, your inspire, you know, what inspired your move here, uh, you mentioned Uber Health. Uh, so what was kind of the genesis of Uber Health within the organization? Uh, can you tell the audience a little bit about what it is and how is it being utilized? How is it being grown? Uh, within the organization. Yeah, so I think one thing just for some context to set the stage, I think it's important to just also understand Uber's you know, mission statement, what, what inspires Uber. Our, our mission statement today is to uh, ignite opportunity by setting the world in, uh, in motion. And that's really at the core of what we do here at Uber. Uh, and when we think about that, those words, it's more than just again, a curb-to-curb ride. There's so much more uh, that our population, the people all across the world need, uh, certainly when it comes to transportation, but also higher levels of support and and service. Um, So Uber Health's endeavors actually uh, trace back to 2014, uh, and it was actually a flu shot program that we ran. So it was really interesting. Um, Boston, somebody from Boston Children's Hospital reached out to us and said, listen, you know, we're in the flu season. Um, we we want to better serve our you know, our lower income populations, people who can't come in to get a flu shot. Can we bring a clinician and get somebody a flu shot? Um, and certainly, you know, the genesis of Uber, nobody ever thought of that use case or that idea. Um, and it was you know, it really sparked some interest here. So we we ran that program with Boston Children's and had a lot of success. Um, and then Uber is a very unique organization, a very unique company where it, it empowers people to really run with ideas and really to, if they see an opportunity or a market or a, or a need, uh, go out and build it and make it happen. Uh, so really the, uh, the the founding member of Uber Health was a, a, a woman that I spent a lot of time working with, a woman by the name of Lauren Steingold who worked on that. She was one of our very first uh, early Uber employee uh, working in the Boston market and she ran this, this opportunity and said, listen, there's so much more beyond just a flu shot program. So Lauren was really the, um, 
the, the grandfather, uh, grandmother, I should say, um, the grandmother of, of Uber Health and really uh, presented this idea to leadership and said, listen, let's build a whole product around this. Uh, so that was really kind of the, the, the seed. And since then, we've done similar efforts throughout the world from diabetes and thyroid testing in Indiana. We've done subsidized, subsidized rides for breast cancer screenings in the U.S. Uh, to many more other examples like that. Uh, and then it also created the whole Uber Health team. What's really unique about Uber Health is Uber Health is its own LLC, its own uh, company within the Uber umbrella. Uh, so we have our own product resources, our own uh, sales resources, uh, account management resources. Uh, but it's also very unique is we've built a fully HIPAA compliant platform uh, around Uber Health. So the way the product is even created, where data is stored, uh, is really at the forefront. So you know the overused statistic right now in the space is every year close to four million medical appointments are missed or delayed. Uh, No-show rates are up to, up to 30% nationwide. Uh, so there's a much greater need even just beyond the flu shot, and that's an area that we're spending a lot of time uh, in right now. And even though it's uh, it's separate uh, LLC, it still is able to draw in on the same, say, pool of drivers and the resources of the technology of the, the main Uber organization? That's exactly right. But the rides we do for Uber Health are not in the same core infrastructure as a standard Uber ride. So the way data is stored and treated uh, is, is uh, different than just a typical consumer ride. Um, and we spend a lot of time kind of digging deep into what we have to do to make sure our partners can have peace of mind that we put their patient data uh, at, at the forefront of everything we do. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that's exactly right. Nice. Uh, I actually wanted to do a quick tangent here real quick, Zach. So one thing you shared earlier, Dan, uh, talking about uh, sometimes, you know, if you're at home, you're around your family, you might catch an email here or there at work late hours on occasion. I have to give you kudos. Um, you've actually inspired me as a professional to, you know, respond sometimes when it's important. Uh, but I know you're a family man, and so am I. But you've actually inspired some of my work habits. Um, but it's also been balanced with my wife. So I just wanted to give you a quick, uh, a quick shout out. The reason I bring this up is uh, when you were sharing that story. I remember, I think you were on vacation, and you uh, said. Uh, be careful, my emails might be slow, and you still responded when we had an urgent matter. Uh. So uh, I can cut this part out <laughs> if it's going to get you in trouble. But no, no, not at all. I mean, uh, first of all, I appreciate you saying that, Gavin. I think, uh, you know, I, I, I can't help it. Um, and I think what I've learned is all, is all the small details. I mean, there's great business people out there, great people uh, uh, that are there. But just like a great NBA player, you know, they're all pretty good. But it's really the ones who spend that extra time and the small things. And for me, I, you know, for my professional career, I found just replying faster or uh, being on top of stuff, um, you know, does hopefully make a difference for the partnerships that we work on. So yeah, even today, Zach, um, I just had a quick question about when we arrived and uh, where to check in and all of that. And Dan, with his you know big role here, boom, was on it. So uh, shout out to him. Also, just a quick shout out to Evangeline. Um, who uh, who has helped out with today's podcast? So sorry for the quick tangent, but wanted to throw that out there. Uh, so I'm, I want to dive back just really quickly to touch on something that you mentioned, uh, kind of in in talking about the organization of Uber Health, uh, but on a larger scale, obviously privacy and safety of data is a conversation that comes up in just about every facet of of daily life nowadays, especially with how connected everything is. Um, I know that's something that's been at the forefront of Uber's mission. Can you shed some light on some of those initiatives or efforts? Yeah, so this has been a very big year. The last couple of years have been a very big year for us around safety. Um, and Dara, our, our, our CEO, has really made safety a top priority for this organization. And again, it goes back to that, you know, that, that crazy stat of connecting over 30 million people a day. 
know, safety has to be at the forefront of everything that this company does. You know, tr just just uh, traditionally speaking, you know, technology behind ride sharing has created an inherent amount uh, and focus on safety before, during, and after a trip. Um, the GPS tracking, the basics of ride sharing allow for a higher level uh, of, of safety in general. Now, that said, there's so much more that we can design and build into our application. Um, so, you know, very recently, in the last couple uh, years or so, last year or so, uh, we've launched some new features, uh, an emergency assistance button, 24-7 incident support, the ability to share trips with trusted contacts. You know, one thing in particular that stands out to me, a uh, really cool, unique feature that is now live in a handful of markets is uh, right in the app, you can directly contact 911. Uh, and when you do that through the app, it also instantly shares your, your GPS coordinates and location with the 911 dispatch center. So really integrating with traditional 911 um, services uh, really adds that extra layer uh, of safety. And all this functionality, the safety center, is really at top of mind for our, 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 our passengers and very easily to be accessed through the app. Uh, so this has been you know, the foundation uh, of, of Uber um, and really core to how we've thought about how we built the app. Uh, and certainly part of the Uber Health offering, like all, all this is, is accessible to our Uber Health uh, passengers and uh, network. But then also for Uber Health specifically, there's a lot of stuff we're doing around HIPAA, which is also very unique. Right. Uh, so kind of jumping off of that, now that you have built some of that infrastructure, um, you have been publicizing some pretty impressive partnerships uh, just kind of across the healthcare spectrum. So I wanted to ask you about a few of them. Um, maybe can we start with uh, some of the work you're doing with hospitals? Yeah, so we're doing a lot of work with, with hospital systems uh, who are using our Uber Health dashboard, uh, which basically, you know, for those who aren't as familiar with Uber Health or haven't heard my prior podcasts or the power of ride share in, in healthcare in general, you know, the natural question might be, okay, this sounds wonderful, Dan, but how many of our elderly low income, how many have a smartphone? You know, data suggests that 30 to 40% of our elders uh, either don't have a smartphone or know how to use all the features of a smartphone. So what good is, is Uber? Uh, and that's exactly why we've built the Uber Health dashboard, which is basically a standalone uh, website or portal where a case manager at a hospital can go to and say, hey, uh, I'm discharging my patient uh, either now or in the future. I want to have an Uber available. So um, we're doing a lot of work with health systems. MedStar may be one of the better known organizations. Uh, Yale New Haven Health is another example. Uh, and, and basically the idea is, is many of them today are using taxi vouchers. They're literally spending sometimes millions of dollars a year on taxi vouchers. How can they easily uh, access uh, an Uber for their patient? Uh, and, and the value proposition being we're 30 to 40% more cost effective than a taxi, better transparency, it's not paper pen driven, um, and a better experience for patients. So um, doing a lot of work with health systems. Yeah. What about, uh, I want to ask you uh, before we move on, I do want to ask about the Yale partnership, but before we jump to that, what about with either like community organizations or uh, doctor's offices appointments? And then I do want you to touch a little bit on some of the government work that you've been doing as well, just because I think you've been really uh, pushing into that space uh, with some really interesting initiatives. Yeah. So, I mean, on the provider side, some of the ones you mentioned earlier, we're just doing a you know, a lot of our, we have over 1,000 partners today on Uber Health. Many of them are providers, whether large ones like a MedStar or small mom and pop you know, rehab clinics to um, you know, orthopedic centers, outpatient centers. Um, so we have many partners that, across that entire spectrum. Um, on the government side, you know, we, we are doing some interesting things when it comes to Medicaid uh, transport. About 3 to 4% of all 
uh, Medicaid spend today is for non-emergency medical transport. And this is a definitely a strategic area of focus for us uh, for this year and beyond is looking how can we do more, uh, more work in this space. Um, there are these incumbents who coordinate a lot of these rides today. Uh, they're called transportation brokers. Yep. Um, and there's you know, one of the largest is a company called Logisticare, and there's many others out there. So we're looking at ways on how we can uh, partner with these organizations. These, um, these organizations have been doing it for a long time. 85, 80% of their rides are ambulatory curb to curb, and, and we think we, there's an opportunity for, um, uh, for Uber Health to be at the table there. So we're starting to do a lot more um, you know, investigative work there and, and, and partnerships there uh, this year and beyond. Um, Just really quickly on that, and, and you may not know the answer. I, I don't. That's why I ask. But is that, um, are they currently similarly similar to the hospitals using taxis for those rides, or are they in a scenario where because of the lack of access for some of those Medicaid rides, they're having to use, say, a higher level of transportation that's necessarily like a, a gurney van or a wheelchair accessible van. Yeah, so I mean, the vast majority today are going to taxi providers or local yeah. mom and pop delivery operators. Sure. Uh, there are instances where we do hear that they have no choice but have to use an ambulance per se. You know, right. first and foremost, we would never suggest that Uber should be a replacement for an ambulance. Yeah. Um, if, if it's a medical emergency, we always suggest people should dial 911 and, yeah. and have an ambulance. But we also hear stories where, you know, someone sprains an ankle uh, or, or, or uh, you know, a minor injury like that and don't, doesn't, don't know what to do when their first instinct is called 911 and they end up sending a, um, an ambulance for something like a sprained ankle where the costs are, are, you know, are crazy uh, when you think about the cost of an ambulance versus uh, uh, an Uber. So I think um, you know, we want to be very mindful when we form these partnerships that they're certainly not replacing an ambulance service with Uber. Right. But if these contact centers that take a lot of these calls where they have trained professionals that can qualify the person over the phone, they can make the decision, you know, is this a viable option? Is this person ambulatory uh, for, for an Uber? You know, the other thing to keep in mind, too, there's no additional cost for more people in the car. Right. So a caretaker, family member, caregiver can always accompany someone um, and, and certainly use uh, Uber for those uh, use cases. Yeah, that's a pretty good jumping off point to circle back to the, uh, the Yale-New uh, Haven partnership that you had mentioned before. To what I understand, uh, they were using hospital shuttles previously um, and have since switched over to Uber Health. So why did that partnership make sense, first of all, and, and kind of what is the idea behind it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great example of, of um, you know, many other types of similar partnerships we have with health, uh, health systems. Um, you know, ultimately, it just came down to that they realized, end of the day, they're not a transportation company, uh, whether you know, it's, it's them or you know, a senior living community or um, you know, mom and pop or orthopedic clinic. They're not transportation companies. However, they've all recognized how important transportation is for them in terms of the services they provide day in, day out. So what they realized was that the costs were just exorbitant for running their own shuttle service. Uh, not only just the day-to-day cost of having a driver, but also the insurance costs and the overhead associated with that. And a lot of times, too, we hear stories where their driver doesn't show up to work that day, and then they got to take somebody off the floor, a full-time, full-time employee, and get them to drive. And essentially, now they're using two FTEs to run a shuttle service. Um, so th- they've all recognized and especially with the proliferation of rideshare in general, that there's got to be a better solution. 
we're a transportation company. We're a logistics company. We're all about connecting people. Um, so I think uh, they, they quickly realized that we can be a viable alternative uh, from a cost perspective and, and also an experience perspective. Um, you know, we hear stories. I've spent a lot of time touring the country and going to senior living communities. And the stories we hear are, I don't want to show up downtown in a the movie theater in a big bus that says Brookdale Senior Living on it, yeah. right? I feel like I'll stand out. I'll be embarrassed. Um, so how do they provide the same level of service uh, like they had when that person had their car or was able to drive their car? How can they do that with something like Uber Health? Yeah. Great. Well, uh, we're going to take a quick break and then uh, jump back and wrap up here. Pop Health Podcast is supported by 24-Hour Home Care. All episodes of Pop Health Podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and pophealthpodcast.com. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. We're now back from break. Now, let's jump back into our conversation on Uber Health, Dan. Um, as we wrap up with Uber Health, five years from now, um, Uber Health's relatively new. You guys are growing like crazy. Where do you think you'll be? Yeah, so I think it's a great question. Um, and I think there's there's some interesting things that we're working on and we're thinking through. Um, you know, I think my prediction would be that in the next three to five years, we're going to see a lot of our rides shifting over from our core Uber Health dashboard to our API. Uh, so really uh, deeper and richer API integrations with partners. Um, Can you uh, share with the audience, what does that mean? Think of our audiences, case managers, social workers. Yeah, so going back to our earlier conversation, I'm definitely not a tech person, so I'm not going <laughs> to uh, I won't pretend to be one. But at a high level, all that basically means is we can provide uh, technology where a partner who has their technology can, can build an Uber experience within their workflow. Okay. So even, let's give a real-life example, um, you know, look, going back to a MedStar who's using our Uber Health dashboard. So I'm a case manager at MedStar. I can go uh, to this website and order a ride. And you know, we've all spent time with case managers, and another tab or another screen is always another pain point, right. as easy as, it, as we think our solution is. So now imagine I'm a case manager at a hospital in the EHR when I'm in what's typically called the RegSched system, registration and scheduling. I'm with my dialysis patient, scheduling my next five dialysis appointments directly in the tools they already use the click of a button, they can now have an Uber on demand or scheduled in the future. Nice. And this is really where it's critical that our HIPAA compliance comes into play, um, as well as just our, our technology capabilities. So that's the basic idea. Okay. And I think the future holds uh, a scenario where our partners through their software, through their mobile apps, through their experiences, uh, are able to now integrate an Uber Health solution. Um, and there's a lot of these organizations that exist that have this software and capabilities. You know, one way I like to think about it is, uh, you know, these are big and boring organizations who maybe have, you know, blue screens with white font, uh, <laughs> but they're they're serving a significant amount of people. Yeah. Uh, and now embedding an Uber experience into that can have a great, um, you know, can have a great outcome. So I think you know, the future holds more of that. I think you know our teams around Uber Assist and Uber Wave are are you know is a continued area of focus for this organization. Uh, so how we do more than just a, a curb to curb ride, and I think that's going to be something that we're looking to to grow. And then certainly the last thing I'd say is is, is further international expansion. So healthcare is not just a U.S. problem; it's a worldwide problem. And I think. Um, you know, for us, there's so much we can do. You know, you look at markets like Australia as an example. Uber has over 95% market share in Australia. You know, we're the, the go-to provider for rideshare. Um, you know, there's there's great opportunity there to do much more than just curb-to-curb, helping a millennial get to a bar in downtown Sydney, right? There's yeah. there's so much more impact we can have around healthcare use cases. So, so I think all those things are going to be really important to us, and I think the future will be very bright for a lot of those uh, points I just made. 
Yeah, you mentioned, so we're talking about the future. Um, we've heard this in the news for many years now, including with Uber, um, autonomous vehicles. So I know there's still a lot of work to do. Can you touch on where Uber is or Uber Health is with using autonomous vehicles? Yeah, so I'm certainly not the, the, the AV, autonomous vehicle expert uh, at Uber, but at a high level, you know, we're still very early days. There's, there's various levels of autonomous um, up to level five, and level five basically means, you know, the cars are doing all the work and you basically people can sit back and there's nobody in the car. You know, today we're still at a call a level one or two where there's still a person in the car. Okay. Um, and, you know, it's still a long ways to go for the technology and regulatory concerns and, 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 and things like that. Now, that said, I think as, you know, the market matures, as technology gets better, as Uber continues to have a big push, in the healthcare use case, there's so much we can do. Um, you know, imagine now you request an autonomous car instead of a driver. There's a licensed and qualified caregiver in the car who can really attend to somebody and sit in the back seat. Now, again, this is more long term, and we're still a ways away from this. But um, you know, there's other levels of service or things we can provide to people in an autonomous car. Um, the configuration of the cars are a lot different now when you think about it, right? There's more room now since there's not a, a traditional driver's seat. Um, so I think the impacts for our, our aging, frail, at-risk populations can be can be uh, quite tremendous. Uh, and I think healthcare, there's, there's a lot of opportunity there. But but again, we still got a, a lot of work to do. Uh, you also covered a lot of facts and figures with Uber. Uh, you mentioned 75 million riders. Is that annually or to date, if you mind me asking? So that's Dan? to date. So 75 over 75 million riders, uh, over 3 million drivers, and that's uh, global. Wow, and 15 million rides a day. 15 million trips are completed every single day, which is, wow. yeah, pretty pretty wild. Now, how about you? I know you also mentioned, uh, besides probably being an Uber user, was it Lime? Lime bikes or? Yeah, so you know, multimodality is really important to this company. So it's way more than just... Uh, a car, right? So imagine now a world where you open up your Uber app. I'm going from here to my house on the peninsula here in the Bay Area. Uh, the app tells me how do I take a jump bike, which is an Uber product, uh, an Uber uh, acquired jump recently, which is an electrically assisted bike. And this is actually my commute. So I, I take my jump bike from the office to the Caltrain station. Imagine a world one day where the Caltrain schedule is in the Uber app and I'm able to even pay for the Caltrain ticket through the Uber app. Um, and then I get to the train station on the other side, and now that last mile I can take an Uber. So, uh, which you know, w to my house from the train station by where I live is less than you know around just call it five dollars. Uh, so, multimodality is really important to this organization. Uh, there's so much we can do beyond just even cars. Um, and um, so, you mentioned Lime. Lime is a company that we have. Uh, strategic relationship with, and you can find Lime bikes on the Uber app today. Okay. Uh, and Lime is a scooter service, uh, electric, electric scooter that you can pick up in many cities across the U.S. Very good. Well, Dan, we very much appreciate it. Uh, Zach, anything else you'd like to uh, connect with Dan on today? No, we uh, we always really appreciate your uh, your input and your time and uh, learning about how quickly this uh, this segment of the industry is is progressing. Because I feel like every time we talk to you, we've made leaps and bounds from the last time that we've uh, spoken, just in capabilities and uh, and partnerships and things. So, well, I'd say thank you for the opportunity. I've known you both for a while now, and I'm a big fan of your organization. I think it's one of the most progressive when it comes to home care. Um, and it's been great to know you both. And I think even though all the work we've done, we're just still at the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more we can do uh, and certainly excited for the future. Nice. And one, one quick thing I wanted to share earlier in the episode. I remember hearing of Dan's name or seeing his posts on LinkedIn. I'm like, who's this new guy at, uh, at who's, who's, the, who's this new guy in on-demand transportation? And I saw you talk and own 
the venue <laughs> at a conference. And he went from a new business development guy to an expert in my mind. And I, I sought you out right after. So congratulations. I appreciate that, It's been cool to see you grow. We know you're a family man. And uh, yeah, man, well, well done and appreciate uh, working with you now and in the future as well. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. You're welcome. So folks, if you've enjoyed today's show, feel free to leave a like or a review on iTunes or Stitcher. You can also find us on Spotify. Thanks, Zach, for making that connection for us. And uh, Susan and the, and the team as well, of course, for making that connection. Um, you can also learn more about us at pophealthpodcast.com. And lastly, Dan, uh, if people want to learn more about Uber Health, is it uberhealth.com or how do they hear about you? Yeah, so you can always reach me directly. Uh, my email address is just my last name uh, at Uber. Uh, and then you can also learn more on the Uber Health website. And that URL, let me just make sure I have it correct, it's just uberhealth.com. Uh, so super simple. Um, you can get more info there and examples of our work. Um, and again, you can always reach me at my last name at uber.com. Great. Well, thanks, everybody. Take care.